Welcome back to the Hubscale podcast, where we dive into the minds of security leaders all around the world. This week's amazing guest is the co-founder and CEO of Do Control, Adam Gavish. They're a SaaS security Series B vendor with CrowdStrike and Insight Partners backing them. Adam, it's great to have you on. Thank you, Elliot. It's a pleasure to be talking to you today. No problem at all. So I guess for the listeners who don't know Adam Gavish, could you give a quick introduction? Yeah, so I've been in security for about 18 years now. Started all the way from network security, firewall routers, everything you put in the rack. Progressed into software engineering, event product management, most recently at Google Cloud Security Team, where I helped them launching their GovCloud solution. Um, and, and, and you know, when I worked there, I had to collaborate with third-party vendors to do my job as a product manager. And of course, I shared information with them over Google Drive again and again. And what happened is that information security would just unload on me and ask me, hey, wh- why are you doing it? You know, they don't work here, remove their permission, blah, blah. Happened again and again until I just asked them, hey, what do, why are you doing it? What do you want from me? And they're like, oh, it's not so simple. We have 100,000 employees. They need a compliant regulatory that no, uh, everybody who don't work for the company shouldn't have access forever. It's not so simple. And when I'm here, something like, oh, it's not so simple. I'm like, ooh, interesting problem to solve. Uh, that's why I quit to do, do control. No, for sure. And it sounds, uh, I always love the journey when somebody kind of feels the pain first and then goes and creates a business off the back of it, which is, uh, which is fantastic. Um, so I guess to tell me more about Do Control then. Yeah, 100%. So uh, we are a, a SaaS security vendor who help organizations to, first of all, understand how much data they have in SaaS applications like Google Drive and SharePoint and Flag, GitHub, Box, and so on but also understand who owns it across what department, how is it exposed internally, externally, and even publicly, what sensitive data is it and and and, and why and 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 from there understand okay what are what is the threat, threat landscape that we have and how can we actually fix it through remediation on our platform, right? Uh, and then moving forward help set up some automation around it to prevent some of those threats uh, happen. Uh, moving forward. No, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So I just want to dive into do control a little bit more because of course I've been following following you guys and your team for, for some time. So tell me about that journey. Um because obviously it's been a crazy journey. I think um around uh, 50, 70, 50 to 70 employees right now as well. So you're growing rapidly. So tell me more about your your growth. Yeah, it's funny, it's a different company every quarter. <laughs> uh, but but you know, we started in June 2020, right in the midst of uh, the pandemic. And from three founders, we grew all the way to 70 employees, um, half in the US, half in the, uh, Israel, where we have our R&D product. And, you know, super happy about our progress commercially and technically, we were able to create uh, an amazing infrastructure that supports customers at really high scale customers like Databricks and CrowdStrike and Datadog and Carta and a bunch of hedge funds. Uh, it looked good so far, but you know, we aim to the sky, of course. Uh, so there's a lot more to do. No, I love it. I really do. And I, I always love talking to, to founders like yourself who's been on that journey. And, and one of the main topics today is how do you stand out as a vendor? I think every single entrepreneur faces this journey, no matter if it's a small business, even myself starting Hubscale, standing out is, is critical. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the do control side of it. Um, how do you stand out? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, the, there's a couple of ways uh, that help us to stand out as a vendor. And I think it starts with, of course, the messaging, your internet ID, right? Uh, because people are not going to find you because you're new, but given the on your website, then you have to show them, give them a way to want to engage with you. And so the messaging is a critical piece in your uh, strategy to stand out. And in our case, it's making things really simple to digest. Like, hey, what we do is we help you to protect your data through this SaaS application. No more and no less. And then, okay, I'm intrigued. How are we doing it? Okay, this is how we do it. We subscribe to WebHook event and we have the inventory, the workflow. And like, okay, given I understand how to do it, how do I onboard? Okay, do we do this and that? So we have to, we do it by answering customer questions before they even ask them to simplify their cognitive load when they're on our website. And that's exactly the same when they're on a call with us, right? We strive to answer questions before they ask um, based on previous interaction with the, with the audience, right? That's the first thing. And the second thing is, it, it's funny, but it's just being kind, honestly. Just being kind and funny and, and memorable on a call means a lot because at the end of the day, technology is critical. Nobody will gonna want to work with you if they don't like it, yeah, right? So being likable, being outgoing, being passionate about what we do, making a really good impression with a prospect, because from their perspective, they're gonna answer a couple of questions in a call, right? Do I need it? Is it does it solve a big problem? Do I trust them? Do I wanna work with them? We try to help to answer all of those within like 20, 25 minutes, not easy. Uh, but you know, after probably 5,000 times, it's easier, not easy, but easier. Um, and lastly is of course the technology. So we were able to build in the first two years we built, we just built, build, 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 kind of an enter barrier. I think it's very hard to build what we built. Uh, it's very hard to go ahead and onboard a big hedge fund and just process all the metadata they have across all of their five, six, seven, eight, 10 SaaS application. We're talking about terabytes of data to process. Uh, that is a proprietary technology that we have, it's patented, right? It's definitely not easy, uh, but also serve it in a way that is just easy to understand and use. Uh, it, it's kind of our magic. Um, and I think on top of that, we stand out by avoiding the marketing fluff. So no over promises, I always tell people, uh, a prospect, we're not gonna fix your mortgage. We're not gonna fix your marriage. <laughs> we're only gonna take care of your SaaS data protection. That's it, no more, no less. If you need it, let's talk. If not, that's fine. Talk later, right? So no performances, no superlative, no we're the best, no we're the leaders, no we're this, this, this. Keep it simple, let them judge. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that. I think um, I, I'm reading the uh, Zero to IPO, the Okta founder uh, book at the moment, and he talks about the, the kind of the simplicity and focusing on a specific customer and don't try and do too many things, just focus on what you're good at. So I think that's uh, an amazing, amazing kind of situation there as well. But I want to dig back onto that marketing piece uh, just for a moment. And um, you obviously mentioned when scaling a team, you want to have the website and everything, the messaging clear. How do you get to that point? Because it's very difficult to sometimes look at a security website and know exactly what they do. Yeah, I think it takes a lot of practice, a lot of A-B testing, a lot of interaction with the audience. 
Um, we, you know, we, we analyze all of our calls with prospects to understand what worked and what didn't. And then we apply it back on our website and collateral to ensure that we're up to date with the market. Um, it's a lot of back and forth in iteration. Don't think too much, just fix and go back. Uh, you know, at the beginning, we didn't have a lot of money and we used just one tiny vendor who I love to death from Israel, who was doing all of the website and design stuff. Today, we have our own in-house team, so it's easier. We can move faster. Um, I think it's also important to, again, going back to my point, like just ask yourself what would the customer ask? What would they want? Right, um, and then answer it right away before they even ask for it. And then, like, it helped to build trust because they can tell themselves. I assume that they tell themselves, "Oh, these guys are not playing around." You know, they these guys that they know what they do. Yeah, yeah. No, I um, again, I love it. I think the simplicity behind it is ask your customers and then and then go and do what they want to do. <laughs> I think is awesome. And I guess the um, so obviously you, you spend a lot of time at Google. And um, so obviously the, the differences of company you have there from a Google to do control, setting up your own business, how does that product differentiate? And obviously when you're taking it to market and you're speaking to customers, how does that kind of differentiate? Basically our differentiation point is that, um, first of all, we are, we have our own um, inventory of all the assets and users and collaborators and third-party OS app that customers have on SaaS application. But not only we have the inventory, which means that we pull it every couple of hours, we keep it up to date based on ongoing events. So that when the customer view the dashboard, it's reliable. They're like, okay, that is the truth, right? I don't need to wait for the next cycle because it's here, right? Um, so we use a mix of pull APIs and push APIs to achieve that. Right, pull API is hey Google, give me every couple of hours the data, every couple of hours the data. Push is I'm Google. Here's more information about the user who just performed an app, an, an, an action. Push to us directly. That's the first one. The second one is the ability to take a look at that inventory, understand your attack surface, and then remediate at the highest scale. So we have customers who before the control had 5,000 or more third-party domains with access to the SaaS data. And after using the control, they have like 700, 800. So think about all the personal accounts, former vendors, former employees, former partners, former investors that companies interact with in the, throughout five, six, 10 years, it's a lot of access for a lot of accounts that in many cases don't even have multi-factor authentication set up. So you leave a lot of open holes to your company data to accounts that are not even, do not even meet your security standard. So we helped you reduce that risk with really robust API-based remediation. And then <clears throat> when you achieve that amazing baseline, of course, it's going to get corrupted within a day because people keep using and consuming. And for that, we have our workflow. So the, 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 the legacy vendor would tell you, hey, these are the policies that we provide to you with automation. These are the opinionated policies. They're hard-coded. Take it or leave it, right? 
we give you, we, we, we flip the coin. We're saying, hey, this is an open platform. Go ahead and use it for any, you know, policy. And here are 500 uh, playbook we have for you, right? So you can achieve things like, oh, when people share from the finance SharePoint site, check if they're from the finance team. If they're not, check for PII. If there's PII, remove and open an alert. If there's no PII, ask the person, hey, are you sure about it? Like, it's so complex and granular, and it's so tailor-made for each and every prospect, especially larger organizations where it's really more complex. Um, so that's our third one. So basically, really hot, fresh inventory, robust, high-scale remediation, and very granular workflows. Yeah, no, no, it's very exciting, and I think um, I think that leads us on to our next next topic because obviously you've created the product for the first two years. You've uh, obviously building that customer base up as well, and but the early adoption phase which SaaS security is in right now. Um, how do you build a team from zero to seventy people? Because obviously that growth that you've been on over the past couple of years has been pretty crazy. But how do you actually attract people to the business? So when you start a business you hopefully started with people you already work with. So you don't need to convince them, they trust you. So people who studied with you in undergrad or coworkers, stuff like that. So that's why basically our first six, seven, eight employees, we knew them. So they joined right away. And then after a while, some of them bring their friends, right? And then we need to start hiring people you don't know. Um, and to do that, First of all, you gotta have a really good HR manager, in my opinion, who can screen all the candidates. You know, they have a really good bullshit detector. They eliminate all the fluff. Everybody can be a senior front end today. You don't even know if they are or not. So you gotta have a really good HR manager in place, which we do. Uh, but from there, you have to online internally, what are you even looking for, right? Am I looking for the most talented engineer? No, I'm not. I'm looking for people who have the grit. I'm looking for people who are going to go above and beyond and see the bigger picture, which is the success of this company. Hopefully, they're also very talented. <laughs> Hopefully. But grit is not something you can teach. It's a character. You were born with it. You, were, you, 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 were, you grew up with it as a kid, right? So that's what we're looking for, right? That, that you know that internal drive. And so you keep hiring forever <laughs> and find the right people. Uh, that there's no other way around it. It's a lot of hard work, interviewing all the time, every single day. Yeah, no, I think um, that finding that grit sometimes, it sounds a lot easier than it is, doesn't it? Because obviously myself being a recruiter, you have to go through the process with these people, get to know them, find out, and even check references as well at that certain point. Because I think the hires that you make in the early stage of a company are so critical to the actual company itself, especially on the senior level. Um, then obviously <laughs> you have to go through all that process, which is which is pretty awesome. And um, so obviously you've expanded across to the US um, and obviously you've been uh, hired account managers and VPSLs and things on those lines and really expanding. So how do you expand into a different country as well? Luckily, we didn't. Luckily, we didn't have to do it. Um, myself and my partner, Omri, we were here in the US for like seven, eight years. So we know the country, right? And so we didn't, have, we didn't really expand here. We just yeah. hired people. We used to do it. Um, the real challenge was, okay, how do we communicate with Israel? 
in a seamless way so that nothing fall between, you know, that, that, but that is a generic challenge that a lot of Israeli-based founders uh, companies have. We're not the first, not the last. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But, so you know, you know the, another challenge is retaining a good cross-national uh, culture, bringing people together. So I can tell you that, you know, something I did today, um, you know, uh, we had an all hand and I just shared a, a, a quiz um, that, you know, about the knowledge about the product and our differentiation point and go to market. And, and you can it kind of like bring people together, like the go to market team and the data team and the R&D, it was super nice and it brings people together under the same mission. Uh, but yeah, it's a big challenge. No, for sure. No, it's uh, it's fantastic, and that kind of leads on to to the next part about building trust. Um, building trust across everything, not just your customers, your people, everybody you even interact with. So, obviously, that's a, been a huge part of your journey so far, even throughout your career in Google and your past as well. But how do you build trust with everybody, especially being a real startup? Generally speaking, what I do is I never talk about work right away in a call. Right, like first, just ask the person, "Hey, how are you? What are you doing?" Right? There's a term called it's a sales term called Ford. Uh, it, it, it's family, occupation, recreation, and dream. And so, uh, only when you have a Ford on somebody, you can really earn their trust. Right? So you need to know who are they, what family they have, what they like to do after work, you know, what their ambition, stuff like that. Uh, and it's true for the customer you that you want them to buy you from. It's true for an employee you're trying to hire, for an investor you're trying to raise money from. It's true for everyone, right? People want to work with people they like, right? And I think the easiest way to be liked is to just express interest in the other side, which is something that not a lot of people do when in a professional relationship, right? Because especially in the US, people keep it very professional like hey I'm, I'm me and you're you and that's it uh i don't i don't do business like that i break the ice right away right and so you know it, sometimes it could be very awkward uh hey i see you from utah how is the jazz doing this year and he's like i hate basketball <laughs> i mean but i tried i tried right so i tell him hey i tried right give me a break i tried you're like okay okay <laughs> uh so that's my way of earning trust um I think being transparent internally with employees and investors and also customers is extremely important to ensure that, you know, they keep getting the stream of knowledge from you about what's going on, even if you have an incident or a bug to solve. Hey, we're not under SVB Bank, FYI, we're, we had zero impact. Like, I didn't have to share it, but I did because I care about you, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's uh, the really important part there is about the transparency and building trust with people. I think it's uh, I think it's critical in this day and age as well. And even building the relationships. I love it. And uh, doing a bit of research before, obviously, meeting people and things like that as well, which is uh, which is also pretty cool. So I guess um, just talking, you, you mentioned SVB there and obviously the craziness that's happened over the weekend. Um, where do you see the market going? I honestly don't know. I'm not a I don't have a PhD in macroeconomic. Uh, I had just one course and I was not that good at it. Um, I think that, you know, generally speaking, in the tech industry, companies understand that they have to be 
the best ever. Like they have to be the most efficient. Every person at the company has their has to have the right purpose and have to perform really well for the management to justify their headcount. It got to this level. And honestly, it's good. Honestly, it's very good. I'm not in favor of letting people go or anything like that, but you know, quiet quitting or stuff like that, I don't appreciate it. I have a really high work ethic. I always gave my best at any company I work for. That's me. Uh, but I think you know, founders today, they take a look really closely about employees performing their job, numbers, uh, getting good numbers, um, thing like that. I, and I, I think if you look back in history, this is not even a fraction of 2008. It's not even close to what happened in 2001. And in both cases, eh, two, three years maximum, everything back to normal. <laughs> so uh, that's my proxy, right? I, I, I'm, I, listen to, I listen to the history. So I'm very optimistic about it. Yeah, no, so am I. So am I. I'm, a, I'm an optimist. Even though on Sunday night, maybe I was a, going towards a pessimism, but I think it's uh, I think it's awesome. I think the community came together, especially with the SVB side of it as well, which which was pretty cool to see. And uh, yeah, I'm no, I'm very excited and optimistic for the future of security as well, which is pretty cool. So I guess um, I guess the question about kind of the early stage, what because a big a big thing for me and a big people who are listening to this uh, are early stage founders or wanting to be early stage founders as well. So what advice Advice would you give to early stage founders looking to start their own company? I think that less is more. Build less to achieve more because what I'm seeing today is that very ambitious founders try to build such a great product early on without understanding that you don't have to have a great product. You have to have a product that customers love, right? It can be very minimal, very slim, but it solves something that is meaningful to a buyer who is willing to go back to finance and procurement and get the thing done, right? And so look for shortcuts. Don't build everything from scratch, all the infrastructure, I don't know what. Find a solution. Focus on your core business, on your core functionality. And go out to the market as soon as you can. Like, don't wait for the product to be perfect because you're losing the opportunity to get significant feedback from your buyers. And yes, you may lose some of them because maybe they don't have time for it or whatever. But that's your job, right? You're a hustler at the beginning. You're SDR, you're an RSM, you're VP sales, you're everything. And so if you don't know how to do it, how can you bring in people to do it? You know, you will have to manage them and understand what's going on with their life. So you have to do it first. Um, so you're going to do all the code reach out you're going to do all the first meeting all the product onboarding all the POVs it's on you end to end uh, hopefully you're, you're a couple of founders you can help each other um, but yeah do do less in my opinion yeah no I love that I uh, I had a, another gentleman who was at the real early stage of his startup he was uh, only 12 employees and he was talking about selling his solution and uh, he mentioned around buying a t-shirt without the sleeves <laughs> so he was just going out there and finding the information from from the customers as well so now I really appreciate that feedback and it's going to be uh, very helpful to a lot of people as well but I guess in terms of do control and, and the journey over the next few years what do you what do you see for you guys as you grow 
I wish I knew what's going to happen in the future. Um, I know that I have a really good feeling about the next two to three years. I know that we are going to grow the company significantly from a commercial perspective. We're working with so many good companies. I know what the numbers look like. I know what the sales cycle look like. I see the pipeline. I see the engagement. It's phenomenal. And it's only going to grow from there with, with improving our marketing and dimension. It's going to grow from there. And then we'll have to accommodate that with, you know, a, a bigger sales engineering team and customer success team and R&D and all of that. Um, I think that ultimately we're going to raise another round to grow the company, to support all the new customers that you onboarded because that costs money, of course. But ideally, we're going to grow the business in a way that is very healthy. Right, so keeping our burn multiple between one to two, keeping our margin over eighty percent, all of that good stuff. Uh, it it wasn't in top of mind uh, one to two years ago for founders. It just wasn't. It was top of mind if you intended to IPO in the next two to three years. But now companies prepare themselves to IPO from the get go, which is pretty cool. Uh, it slowed things down, I guess, but it teaches you as a founder a lot of stuff on how to run a business, not a startup. Yeah, no, that's a, that's exciting. Just talk to me, talk to me about that a little bit more then, because obviously the whole dynamic has changed over the past year or so. Um, so what's your biggest learnings from that? I think my biggest learning is that, again, less is more. Like you can hire, like you could freak out about onboarding. Hey, I have like 30 new customers. I most likely need another customer success manager. But you don't realize that every person you add at the company bring more complexity and more risk. I have to onboard them. Maybe they're not going to do well. Like, I don't know. It's a lot of risk. But in reality, maybe the existing team can take, on, take, take more. Maybe the existing team will find creative solutions to simplify some of the CS work, for example, right? To support more customers at a higher scale and same true for R&D and same true for, for marketing, right? So all of the sudden you, by having fewer people and less budget, you force the people you have to think more creatively and just exploit more of their potential, which is amazing because previously you would just hire more and that's it. And then everyone would stay just not doing their best, right? Um, that's my take. Yeah, no, I like it. I think uh, people are being a lot more creative. And that's one thing you look for in, in the recruitment side of it as well, especially with, within the sales and the engineering side of things. You have to look for that creative spark. Now, this is a question that I've asked a lot of people, but how do you look for that within an interview process? How do you look for that person who's going to go out there and go out of their way uh, to be creative? Examples, you know, they just need to give you concrete examples um about you know the stuff that they did in their previous job that you're looking for to make an impact in your in the job you're hiring for um in those examples you have to understand whether they, they were following like a generic approach or they tried something differently and if they did ask them why and how was it and what were the results and the impact yada yada um yeah but i think Creativity is something, again, that is very hard to teach. You either have it or you don't. And it's fine if you're not creative, it's all okay. Um, it's not just creativity, it's also being 
flexible and open-minded like hey i know i'm going i, I have to make five million dollars i don't know what um there's a million of way to get there uh, right and then from five to ten to twenty to fifty to a hundred millions of way to get there um i want to hire people who can approach it in different ways um you know uh, analyze the pros and cons of each like critical thinking is really important because if you're stubborn it's not going to work. If you just locked on like one approach, that's it. I don't care about anything else. It's a missed opportunity for everyone. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. And it definitely can't be teached. I think it's something that uh, you're either born with or, or you're not as well. Um, Adam, I'm going to leave leave with one question today. I, I asked this to every, every startup founder because it's so interesting that I, I'd like to know myself. So if you went back to the beginning of Do Control from ground zero again, would you do anything differently? Hmm. Probably, yeah. Wow, there's a million of stuff I would do differently, but you know what? It doesn't even matter because then it will lead to other. It will lead to different mistakes. You know, <laughs> it's like it, it's inevitable to make mistakes. It, it's just part of being a founder. You know, you make mistakes, you learn, you grow, and you iterate and go from there, right? Uh, I I think I'll take more vacation. I think I'll take more, and I think I also. Uh, and for a small vacation, I, I'll make people make take more vacation because it's a marathon, not a sprint. And you can expect to have challenges in every single quarter, just different challenges, commercial, technical, anything in between. Uh, so the ability to just, you know, disconnect once in a while and just understand that your body and your, and your brain, they need that disconnection. Um, it's critical. It took me a while to understand that. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And I think even the fitness aspects of the business and getting yourself and your mind right and taking vacation, it's so important, especially especially founding a company because you you feel like you can't take days off. And when you do, you feel so guilty, you want to get back to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, Adam, honestly, it's been absolutely amazing and really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm really excited to watch Do Control's journey over the next couple of years. Amazing. Thank you so much, Elliot. I appreciate the support. Thank you for the opportunity to speak up. And uh, yeah, if you have any founders who are looking for help, pro bono, happy to assist to anyone. Your success is mine. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Adam.